0: Well, good morning. Hey, welcome to Bridgewater. So glad you're here this morning. If you're new, my name is Matt, and the joy of being the canvas pastor here. Uh, family, it's good to be back with you this weekend. I uh, just want to give a big shout out to David, uh, just doing a great job with the sermon last week, allowing me to go away. So put your hands together for David. Appreciate him. Uh, well, we are in our series here called I Quit, as David mentioned. Uh, I Quit Being Afraid. And what I hope from week one is that you haven't stopped singing Taylor Swift. Um, I'll tell you what, never ever getting back together was in my head for like a week straight after that, uh, so I did it to myself as much as I did it to you, uh, but I appreciate those of you who commented in with your favorite breakup songs, uh, I didn't break out the record vinyl to listen to some of them, but uh, maybe one day I will, maybe JC and I will listen to some vinyl later, how's that sound, does that sound good? Hey, well, if you missed any of this series, we've been having a lot of fun, uh, joking around a little bit with this idea of quitting fear, but really it's been this invitation uh, that we believe Scripture puts before us uh, to break up with fear, worry, and anxiety, these unhealthy relationships we can have uh, with our emotions. And so we've been giving you some tools over the last several weeks to be able to do that. So week one, if you missed it, we talked uh, primarily about this idea that we worry about what's important to us, that when we worry, it really is the signal in our heart that we found something that we value you. And and that's not always a bad thing, but it sometimes is a misplaced thing. It's a good thing that ultimately ends up in a seat that it doesn't belong in, that it controls and dictates our emotions and our life. And so we gave you some tools to to wrestle with that. Last week, as I said, David did a great job uh, walking through really the character of God in the story of the Old Testament, looking at how God is a God who will be near, that he cares, that he's present. And really, it was an invitation to childlike faith. It's an invitation to sit in the position of not being God, not being responsible for all things at all times, because only God is capable of that. And it's invitation to just be. To be present with the Lord, to trust that He has uh, your next meal, your next meeting, all of those things figured out. And so this week what we're going to look at, uh, we're going to dive a little bit more deep into the idea of fear specifically. And, and how do we combat fear? What do we do with fear in itself? And fear is one of those words that we use, but it means different things to different people right if you for some of us if you say you're afraid of something it's actually this really large life crippling life altering type fear right you fear car accidents and so you don't get in the car you fear sharks so you don't go in the ocean you fear clowns so you don't go to carnivals right like there's there's these big fears that really dictate a lot of our life decisions and that's true for some of us in this room you're not alone if you're there but what i would say is primarily true for the the majority of us in this room is there's this kind of low-grade fear that just sits underneath everything we do. It won't necessarily stop us, but it certainly inhibits us, right? Maybe it's a fear of financial instability that really is, is just always this, am I going to have enough? Am I going to make the next bill? I'm going to make the next payment. Am I, am I, am I? And it's just, it's there. And what it's doing is it's not stopping you, but it's robbing all of the joy and contentment and satisfaction out of your job. It's taking away from you while you're sitting at the dinner table because you're thinking about the bills rather than playing with your kids or talking and engaging with them. It's just low-grade fear. Maybe for you, it's the fear of rejection. It doesn't stop you from going to social circles, but when you're in church environments or, or social environments, you feel this underlying ache that you're not enough, and so you have to pretend and put on and, and be something that you're not, or you just shut down so that nobody can reject you, and you still function. But not all of what you could. Now I could go on and on, and I, I don't have all the time to name every specific fear out there. And maybe you this morning wouldn't even use the word fear; you'd use a different word. And what I would say is, underneath all of our concerns and anxieties, really rests perhaps an unspoken fear, an unacknowledged fear that's causing us to behave these certain ways. And so, what we want to do over the series, or over this week in particular, is help you combat those emotions, help you identify those emotions, and help you see where Jesus wants to meet you in the middle of those. We're going to pick up a story here with uh, the disciples. And Jesus at this point in this journey with his disciples has decided they need to go deeper in their faith. There's some lessons they need to learn, and so he is going to send them into a very difficult situation to teach them an important lesson. But before that, he does this. He works the miracle of the feeding of the five thousand. If you're unfamiliar with this story, uh, this story really is one where you see Jesus multiply uh, food for five thousand men out of a lunchable. Basically, it's this kid's pack lunch that they find, and they have this crowd of five thousand men, which doesn't include women and children in that number. So it's conservatively around 10,000 people and he kind of turns to the disciples and said, what are we going to do about this? We don't know. And he ends up providing food for all of these people. Now, if you've ever served as a waiter or a waitress or you've served in a food bank, like serving people food all day is tiring work. You are on your feet. You are hustling. You are running food. It is, it is tiring work. Imagine feeding 10,000 people in the hot blazing sun It's a long day and that is very tiring. Well, they've been out here, they've been doing this thing that when they were done, they brought back 12 full baskets of food. So I'm sure heavy, exhaustive work. Well, then what does Jesus do? He recognizes that they're really tired. And so he sticks them in a boat and says, hey, get away from the crowds. Go take a breather over here. He says, I'm going to go up in the mountain and pray. The problem was Jesus was setting them up. They don't know that yet. But this is a setup for God to work something deep in their hearts. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, you're going to pick up the story at the end of the uh, uh, feeding of the 5,000. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. That immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind was against it. So Jesus sends them out, and the storm ends up coming across uh, the ocean and really affecting them. I want to read a couple of stats to you here. So this lake is the Sea of Galilee, and it really uh, was a considerable lake. It was seven miles wide by 13 miles long. So it's not a pond, like we're on a pretty good size body of water. And the best we can tell from uh, historians that the boat they were on was about 27 feet long by about eight feet wide. So the boat is uh, probably somewhat smaller than this section of the stage right here on a very, very large boat or a very large body of water with no motors because they didn't exist at that time. And if you've ever been on open water like that and you lose a motor and there's a storm coming... You feel very helpless immediately. Like, I don't care how confident you are in the water, when all of a sudden you're at the mercy of open water. It is a terrifying feeling. I was at one point much younger and much dumber uh, than I currently am and decided it would be a great idea to run off this ocean wharf and jump out into the ocean and try to catch the current back around to the beach. Totally underestimating how powerful the undercurrent was And in Taiwan where it was, there was these big like, you ever play Astro Jacks as a kid? You know, you throw the ball and those little spiky metal balls. Well, they have these giant like 30 foot concrete versions of these to break the waves. And so when I dove out, the undercurrent took me in and just sent me right into those wave breakers. And I came up from underneath one of the toes and thought, this is how I end. Like this is the end of my life right here. Now, thankfully Lord is gracious, but I have never been so terrified in my life because I was hopeless. Now imagine that moment but it's pitch black. You can't see anything. And all of a sudden, you don't know where land is. You don't know what's going on. And these are seasoned fishermen, but they become terrified. Now, here's what you need to understand about what's happening in the story, though. They're not in this situation because they disobeyed Jesus, because they refused to listen to him. They're in this situation because they listened to Jesus, They're in this storm because they obeyed him, which is really important because so often I think when you and I examine the difficulties and problems in our life and the things that we fear, we think that they are getting in the way of us getting to God. And really, I think if we can uh, see scripture for what it is, they are the very things God is using to bring us to him. I would say it this way. What if your current problem is actually the pathway to your greatest breakthrough? What if the difficulty you're facing in your life right now, the thing you think is insurmountable, the thing you think you can't get over is the very thing God is trying to use in your life to bring about the victory you've been praying for all along? What if the fears that you're wrestling with are really an invitation from God to step into a space that you've been avoiding for so long to finally find the freedom from the weights and the worries that have have carried you and held you down for so long? See, if we think we serve a God who doesn't use the storm, we'll miss most of the lessons God has for us. But I think if we can begin to change our perspective around our problems and around our fears, we'll begin to see that God is actually doing most of his deep work in us through these difficult seasons. And here's why I know Jesus did this on purpose. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. You you never, you notice that Jesus was on the shore praying with the father. He comes down. he, He knows they're in trouble because he knows all things. And what does he do? He walks to them on water. Now, if you're Jesus, let's pretend for a moment that you are, and you could control the waves with a prayer. Wouldn't you just from the shore say, Hey, waves be still. Hey, storm stop. And the disciples would be fine. You see, if all Jesus was after was stopping the storm, he could have just simply said, storm be still. If he was really, really worried about stopping the storm, he could have even like flown over there because he was God. But he didn't. Instead, he walks. He walks on water and we see this incredible miracle. Now you need to see the pace of Jesus here. Because so many times when I'm encountering difficulties in my life, and maybe you can relate to this, I wish Jesus would run. I'm facing down a problem. I'm staring at it. I go, man, I just want deliverance now. God, I just want you to fix this now. God, I just want you to solve my problems now. And Jesus said, no, no, no. (laughs) I'm coming, but I'm going to walk. Why? Because there's some things you need to learn in this process. And if I run, you might miss it. Here's what I think we need to get. God isn't looking to just deliver us from the storm, but is also using the storm to deliver us. If all Jesus was after was relieving the difficulties in your life, they'd be gone. They'd be done. But that's not his primary objective. See, what if you needed to to get to that point in your job where you were finally frustrated enough that you began to make some personal changes about how you approached it? What if you had to find that search history to get out of that bad dating relationship? What if you had to finally have that big argument or if somebody accused you for you to finally take some moments of self-reflection? What if your life had to hit rock bottom in order for you to actually look up to Jesus? What if that crippling anxiety had to stay for a while so that you started learning, and I started learning to depend on Jesus rather than other things to cope with it? See, what he's after is, is really us. He's chasing us. What do you do when you're in that storm? And it's hard to see. It's hard to tell what God is doing. Well, here's what I want you to see is perfectly natural and normal because it's how the disciples respond to it in verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. You imagine this moment. Right, you're already at the mercies of the ocean, you're not sure if you're going to make it and you see this thing walking across the water on you and you're like, am I hallucinating? Is this a ghost? Like nobody expected this to be Jesus and because that's when we're looking in our storms and our difficulties of life, it's so hectic. You know, you're stressed out. You're fired up by some things and you can't see clearly all the time because you're just trying to survive Monday. But sometimes we miss Jesus. We misidentify him in the storm. And here's what I want you to see. It's perfectly natural to be afraid in these moments. It is perfectly natural for you to be afraid when you're not sure where your next uh, mortgage payment is coming from. It's perfectly natural that you're fearful that your marriage is on the rocks and you're not sure what to do. It's perfectly natural that you're worried about a cancer diagnosis in a loved one. Those are perfectly natural fears. But here's the invitation Jesus is giving to Peter and the disciples that God invites us out of natural fear into supernatural faith. He doesn't say the fear is wrong. He says it's natural. He invites us out of the places that we naturally run to fear into a place of supernatural faith. And I want you to watch how Jesus does this in verse 27. He said, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. Jesus speaks to them and says, hey guys, don't worry. Take courage, which means when you look fear in the face, do not falter to continue to move forward. But what's the reason he gives for their courage? He doesn't say, hey, take courage. The storm's going to end soon. Hey, take courage. The, you know, given the law of probability and the size of this boat, you're probably going to make it. No, no, he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't even tell them the problem's going to go away. He promises his presence he says, take courage. It's me, guys. You know me. Remember what we just did back on the land a couple hours ago? Remember that time when you didn't know where your next meal was coming from and instead I fed over 10,000 people? Remember, guys, it's, it's me. Take courage. Don't, don't be afraid. Which leads us to the first piece that we need to keep in our hearts if we're going to fight back fear, and it's to remember what God has done. Because what Jesus was doing in that moment was saying, guys, remember me and who I am. Remember the 10,000 we fed? Remember that leper that we healed? Remember that dead individual that got brought to, back to life by my resurrection power? Remember the blind person who saw? Remember the deaf person uh, who heard? Do you remember all of those miracles, guys? That same miracle working God is the one who is right near you, right next to you. And those are stories in the Bible. And sometimes it's." Hard to connect those to our lives. But if you're honest and you really look back over your life and you remember all of the times that God has delivered you from things that you didn't know how you were getting over that are now so far back in your history you forget them, if we can remember those moments, it begins to fill us up with that supernatural faith. I can remember times as a missionary uh, just looking at what God was calling me to do and wondering where in the world the money was going to come from to make it happen. And can I tell you, He showed up every single time? I remember praying desperate prayers that God would bring a, a wife into my life who would help uh, encourage and grow my ministry and my calling in my life. And, and he did. And, and yet, what I so often remember is in those moments, even though the problem was new to me, it wasn't new to God. And I think sometimes we give our problems too much credit. Like we're the first ones to ever encounter this situation, Like we're the first ones to ever have a need. And the reality is we serve the God who's been doing this for all of eternity. And he's never left his children alone in it. And if I can choose to take the discipline and the time to go, okay, the last time I needed something, what did I do? I sought God and he showed up. Now let's be honest. Sometimes he walked and I wished he would have run. Sometimes he didn't calm the storms in the same way that I thought he was going to calm them. But he never failed to be near in his presence when I asked for it. And Sometimes he answered it differently. That's okay. Why? Because he knows what's best for me. Could we recall what it is? As I've been reflecting on this idea in particular, there's this passage of scripture that for many years of my life has carried me through fear. And it's Joshua 1.9, it's this. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you see that same promise in there? He doesn't promise that there won't be storms. He doesn't promise that there won't be difficulty. What does he promise? The nearness and presence of God. That he himself would be enough for us. I want you to watch what happens as Peter responds to uh, this invitation to be near to God. He actually takes it a step further and decides to get even closer. Verse 28, he said, Lord, if it's you. So here at this point, they still don't even know if it's Jesus, right? Like he's claimed that it's him and they're still this unsure. Peter takes a step of faith and says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out onto, tell me to come to you out on the water. Verse 29, come, come. He said, then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came towards Jesus. And we have to applaud Peter here. Because if this were you or me, based on our track record and our trajectory, we're probably not asking Jesus to to invite us out of the boat. (laughs) We're probably saying, oh, great, Jesus, can you come into my boat now? Can you uh, come into my bubble of safety? Can you step towards me so that I don't have to step out of this place? Because right now this feels like the most secure place which is the crazy thing about our fears is as much as you hate them, they're familiar. And so when we get this invitation from Jesus to step out of those fears, we go, Nope, just kidding. I like it here. After all, you hear this in our prayer life. God, if you could just come and solve this problem for me, Rather than saying, God, if this is you in my midst, would you call me out of this place of fear and into a place of obedience? God, would you help me with courage take the next step of obedience towards you? And I wonder why we don't sometimes. I wonder. I don't have the answers for it. I wonder. But I hope and pray that through this series, what we can start to do, and this is the second way that we fight fear, is that we would recognize what God is doing now. Not only do we remember what he did, but when we can see in the moment in the middle of your problems that God might be trying to deliver you, it changes how you approach things. As you're dealing with that conflict with your kids and you're fearful that you're going to screw it all up and make them terrible human beings, that underlying fear, could you recognize that God is doing something in you in that space? God, what are you trying to work in my heart? God, what is this perfection thing that you're trying to work out of me? God, what is this fear of failure and parenting that you're trying to do? Could you just slow down in these storms and say, God, if it's you, could you call me out of this place of fear and into a place of faith? God, I want to see what you're doing here. And I'm having a hard time seeing it because it's a little cloudy with all these emotions. God, would you help me recognize what you were doing right? But watch what happens. And I think it's what happens to us so often. So we lose sight of what God is doing, Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, "Lord, save me, let's pause right there back at verse 30." You notice what happened? When he saw the wind, he was afraid. When he took his eyes off of Jesus, when he began to remove uh, his focus, not on God, but onto his problems, it began to overwhelm him and it moved him out of a place of faith and back into a place of fear. And he began to sink and drown really in the, pro- the, the water, but also in the problems of losing sight of Jesus. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt. I think one of the reasons we don't step out of the boat is we're not so certain Jesus will catch us if we do. We're not so certain that if we step out in faith that God's actually going to show up because all we've ever known is the comfort and familiarity of the boat, (laughs) of our little world that we figured out how to insulate ourselves with busyness and distractions from the calling God is putting on our life to leave behind fear, worry, and anxiety for good, to step into a place of peace, to step into a place of life-giving joy, to step into a place where our lives are ones that are marked by courage and confidence and boldness and what God is going to do in such a way that we stand with such confidence in God's working in our life that other people begin to look on and go, how are you not terrified of life right now? Well, there's a really simple answer to that. Because I've got, I have the God who's promised to always be near to me. And that's enough. And no problem my face is ever bigger than him. Let's look at what happens as a result of this step of faith. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. You notice that? How quickly the storm dissipated? Which means the storm was on purpose. And it was for a purpose. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying truly you are the son of God could it be that the storm God has put in your life is so that you would finally see that he really is who he says he is could it be that God has not allowed you to get the promotion, the, the pay jump, or the whatever it is that you're hoping for? Could it be that God is the one who's actually holding them back so that you in the storm can cry out to him, Lord, save me, and that your heart would be moved from worshiping yourself and worshiping those things out there to worshiping him? That's the one true God. Which is the third way that we combat fear in our hearts is that we would respond to who God is. Isn't it interesting that they were afraid of Jesus just a few minutes ago? And now when they see him for who he really is and that he has stepped into their space, they respond and worship. They just fall down, I'm sure, in this boat. Just one, really, really grateful that they're not drowning. But two, they now experience and know God at a, at a level and know Jesus at a level that they never knew him before. And what if that's what you're missing in your life? Maybe you remember who he is and you can kind of see what he's doing right now. But our hearts aren't moved to worship. Our hearts aren't moved to the declaration of how good he really is. We sing on Sunday mornings because we need to continually remind ourselves of who God is. But it's also because we need to respond to who he is. That our hearts need to be moved. And and we sing because that's a helpful way to do it. But we have to remember, worship is more than just the songs we sing. It is the life we live. It is the actions and words that we live in response to who God is. Did you know your life is supposed to be lived in response to who God is? And maybe just like Peter, it's time for you to step out from fear. I wrote a few things down for you here that I want to read for you. When God invites us out of the fear of failure, we need to respond with courage and faith because our failure isn't final because of what Jesus did at the cross. When God invites us out beyond our fear of rejection, we respond because he has promised to never reject those who call on him for salvation. When God invites us beyond our fear of death, we respond with faith and courage because we serve the God who overcame death through Jesus. When God invites us to leave behind our fear of money, we respond with faith and courage because we serve the God who has promised to meet all of our needs. You add your fear in there and Jesus is the answer for it. He has the answer, but he is the answer. What fear today is God asking you to leave behind? What mindset and lifestyle is God really asking you to to step out of and step into this place of faith? Maybe for you, responding to God today looks like taking your next step in baptism. Maybe you're fearful of what people might think of you or somebody hearing your story or fearful of coming up and getting in the water. And maybe it's time to just look your fear in the face and say, my God's bigger. And take that step of obedience. Maybe for you, it's stepping into a place of servant. You've wanted to serve, but you feel unqualified or inadequate or whatever it might be. And maybe it's time that you just rely on the promise and presence of Jesus to be enough for you in that moment that if you step out in obedience to serve, God's going to show up and catch you. Maybe for you, it's walking across the street to your neighbors. The ones that you've been looking at saying, I really need to go tell them about Jesus or invite them to church, but you just feel scared. That's okay. Jesus is inviting you out of that natural fear into supernatural faith that you would walk across the street and say, hey, there's this guy named Jesus, and he changes everything i love for you to come listen to him. Maybe that is it for you. Maybe you're here this morning and To be honest, you need to respond like Peter did in verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never made that decision. You've never responded to who God is. You've never seen him as a savior. Uh, You've heard about him. You know he's out there, uh, but you haven't given your life over to him. And maybe you feel overwhelmed by the storms of life and the the worries and the stress and the, the economy and all those things are just weighing heavy on your mind. Could today be the day where you recognize who God is and you respond with, Lord, save me? Maybe you're uncertain about an eternal future and what that means. Well, Jesus is the answer. So I want to give you some space here in a minute. If you've never made Jesus the leader and forgiver of your life, to to start there. If you want to overcome fear, worry, and anxiety, start with surrendering your life to the God who controls and holds all things. For those of you who have made that decision, would you this week find the courage in the presence of Jesus to do what it is that you know he's calling you to do this week? Let's pray. If you're here today and you're ready to take that step of faith and Put your faith in Jesus to be your leader and forgiver. I invite you to pray this prayer with me this morning. And it says, God, today I recognize my need for you. I can't do it on my own. I've come up short. I recognize that I have sinned. And I need your help. God, I need you to save me. Today, Jesus, I surrender to you. I make you the leader and forgiver of my life. I accept what Jesus did on my behalf to save me. I surrender in Jesus' name. Amen.